Right, welcome. Yet another exciting time on the radio, and it's always a pleasure. You know, anytime I get a chance to banter with nature, and like I said, we all build our society. Really, it all falls back to us. Even me, when I come here to talk, I will not exonerate myself from the problems of our society. I'll tell myself that I could have done more, just like everybody could have done more. You know why? Because it takes a village to raise a child, and the child here is our society. And the village, the village here is, you know, us. It's us. Uh, the child is our society, the village is us. Raising our society, raising our, our prospect as a society and improving upon what we have. Today I'm going to talk about, you know, a lot of things. But you can just turn it around love. Hmm. I said last week, God is love. And you see, increasingly, because of the evolution of society, we are quickly moving away from even the understanding and the perspective of what love is supposed to be. And love cuts across anything, everything I should say. In fact, love cuts across all laws possible. And you know, that's why, despite our sins, because Christ loved us, He made a way for us, a way for redemption. And long is, love is that long, narrow rope that brings you back when you go astray, when you falter, when you move apart. And the truth has to be said, we are not all perfect. You see, because in the spirit of building society, we're also trying to build humanoids. Humanoids that think they are perfect. In everything, there's a very high level of perfection ingrained in them. And they can do no wrong. And I'm not going to come here to tell you I'm perfect. But I'm here to tell you that I, I truly know what love is. And sometimes the things we see or we do begs the question... Do we really know what love is? Because the essence of our life and the forerunners of humanity, after we fell apart and after we hurt the feelings of our God at the Garden of Eden, was love. It was that same love that He showed through Jesus Christ to come and restore us. That's why Jesus came to commit Himself to the greater task of the redemption of humanity and the greater show of love by laying down his life so we may live. And that's the formative factor of our faith. That's why Calvary was no joke. The essence of Calvary has to be repeated every time. It was no joke because if Christ didn't die and Calvary didn't happen, then where are we going to be today? And that's one of the greatest understanding of what love is and the capacity of love to be able to heal every broken heart. You remember the fellow prisoners that died with Jesus on the cross? And he told them, you'll be with me in paradise. And that was what Jesus exemplified in his walk on earth, 33 years on earth, in his teachings and interaction with people. 
Love is the firmness he exhibited. Love is the grace he exhibited. Love is the compassion he exhibited. Love was the cornerstone of everything he did. And that's why nobody exhibited compassion like Jesus. And it's said in the Bible that Jesus wept at a point because he was filled with compassion that comes out of love. You remember the story of Lazarus? And the truth is we are not all perfect. We are all dead at a point in our lives. And it's the love of Christ that sustains us, that gives us another chance. Even sometimes when we don't deserve it. And that's the journey we must constantly walk in love. Because most times we don't always deserve it. We don't always measure up. Like I said, I never measured up at the start. Do I still measure up today? I will honestly tell you, I don't think I measure up. I think I'm a work in progress. And I never measure up, no matter what the accolades are. Because we're all a work in progress in our lives. We are all not perfect. We are working to, to attain perfection. And like Apostle Paul did say, we know in parts. And that's the cornerstone of what love is. Love empathizes. Love is not brash. It doesn't say shut up. It doesn't say get out. Love doesn't call anybody a blatant failure. Love doesn't subjugate people in society. Love doesn't even tell other people that, oh, I help that man, I give him money. Love is considerate. Love is an understanding. Love is truly forgiving. Love doesn't use our, point, our failures to score a point against us. Love is not condemnation. It doesn't say, oh, you bloody sinner, go die. And that's why I keep saying, if we had a lot of love in society, society would be a whole lot better. If you had love for your fellow human being, you will not sell substandard drug to them because you want to make money. If you have love for your family, you will not put expired products on your shelf and sell it to them because you want to make money. If you have love, you will not give somebody what you cannot eat because you want to show that you're charitable. If you have love, you will not make everybody see that you're spraying money to people and throwing money in the air for them to run around and come and peek. Because at the same time, you, you could say, give those people money without letting everybody know. You could collect their bank accounts and put an alert in there. 
Love doesn't denigrate. It's not pompous. It's not showy. You don't try to prove a point every time. You just love. But the shocking thing for me is that society has taken a new perspective. And society still calls it love. But in effect, it is up for debate. Is it truly love? Is it truly that same love that Christ handed to us? Society now is loud. Society now is garrulous. Society now is competitive. And when in effect, the only competition you have should be yourself and how to better yourself. Because like I say, there will always be people that will be richer than you. So if you want to be the most handsome, the most intelligent, you're on a lost cause already. You can't be the most handsome. You can't be the most intelligent. There will always be people richer than you. At some point, Bill Gates used to be the world's richest man. But today, all of a sudden, we have the likes of Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. And tomorrow, there'll be people too that'll be richer than Elon Musk. So if it's a competition for you to be the richest at the expense of humanity, then you failed. I remember there was a certain year that a man called Ivan Kampra became the world richest man, the owner of a furniture shop called IKEA. Swedish. Then all of a sudden, it wasn't Ivan Kampra any longer. So, if you put yourself up for a rat race of vanishing vanity, then ask yourself, how do you love humanity? Because no matter how rich you are, your time will pass someday. Nobody lives forever. Nobody will be on earth forever. We're just here for a specific time. And your time will go. And your stars will shut out of the sky. And other people too will come in. So the question is, the most important thing people think about you is how you made them feel. The truth of what you told them. The capacity to be able to change society. That's why I think it was Gandhi that said you can't change the world, but you can challenge it. I can change the world. I cannot change Nigeria alone, but I keep challenging it every time. And why do I challenge it? Not because I have political affiliation or anything. I just challenge it because I know it can be greater than what it is today. And I want to challenge it to its greatness. And there are other people challenging it to its greatness. 
your achievements, your benevolence, your love for people challenges our fellow countrymen every day. That's why when you do well, it's challenging other Nigerians to greatness. That's why when Walishinka won the Nobel Prize or Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie is doing so well on the international scene or Jalala Liyu is doing so well. We're all challenged to do better. And that's the best you can do in life. It will never be all about you even if you own the biggest empire. Even if you did better magic more than Houdini? He'll never live forever. Because I see a lot of madness going on in the world today. And sometimes we try to legitimize it, we call it love. But is it genuinely because you love people, that's why you do what you do? Or it's because you want to show the world that you have the capacity. The truth is you have the capacity to the other people have the capacity tomorrow. But the question is how can you lay ground to the generations yet unborn? And it is the same love that Christ has shown us because we're not perfect. We didn't have all the answers at first. We make mistakes, so how can we be kind even in correction? And I'm guilty of this. I'm not going to come here and say I'm a saint. Sometimes I correct a little bit too harshly. I can be better. It's a work in progress. So I'm not going to come tell you that it's my way or no way. But on the lining, can we truly say we're loving irrespectively? Because you see, if we truly cared, nobody would die. If the killers and the bandits and people terrorizing other people truly loved, do you think they will collect money at the expense of other people's pain? Anytime you make people go in pain because you want to gain. Then you lose the respect of God and humanity. Because if your gain is always about causing other people get pain... then ask yourself, what life are you living? Is it truly about you? Or truly about genuinely loving other people and lifting them up? And if you know you can't lift them up, don't make them worse. My mom will always say, Orisha bo if you can't make me better, don't make me worse. Because you can't touch everybody. I can't reach everybody. I thank God for mass media. But I can't reach everybody. I can't talk to you one on one. 
I have my own busy shows. I may not be there every time. The question is, can I make you better? Can I tell you your dreams are valid? Can I tell you that your life is not a waste? Can I tell you because you failed today doesn't make you a failure? Can I tell you that if I can tell you that I'm content? Abraham Lincoln lost so many elections before he became president. Does that make him a failure? Can we be truly kind? Can the bus driver tell the passengers, thank you for entering my bus? Hope I served you well. Can the passengers tell the bus driver, thank you so much for driving me? Can we just be kinder and nicer to ourselves in society? Can we? Can we talk with more respect? Can we disagree with respect? Oh, this is my point. Okay, I hear it. We must not agree on everything. You must not like me. My work on impact provides for impact. It's not a popularity contest. It's not a must. You must like me. In fact, you shouldn't even if you have great points and opinions against me. I'm happy with that. As long as you can back it up with a robust argument, I'll listen to your arguments. Because everything in life is a narrative. But most importantly, can we truly love like Christ loved the church? Can we truly ask ourselves that what will Jesus have done or have said in this situation? Can we be honest about that? Can we truly be honest about that? That what would Jesus have said or done if he sees that same situation you are in. Because we forget in a hurry that the essence, why we're being called Christians, there was nothing like Christianity. It was people that saw the way some people acted and they said, oh, they behave like that man called Jesus Christ. So they are Christ-like, they are Christians. Do people, really, do people really see the way Christ will act in the way you act? Or they see religion that brings dogma. And it is the dogmatic interplay that bedevils organized religion everywhere. They are not like us. You truly ask. So sweet. You just bumped him. UK Jonah in 